0: The first thing that really grabs your attention is the bus ride. And you see the guard towers. But you don't know what to really expect. You only hear these horror stories. That gate open and reality sets in. And the security actually takes your rights. As a man, I done seen people do either one or two things. either stand up or break down and go mad. Your mind is so confused. It's like walking in the daze. They're hopeless. You can see it like gripping down on them. I wasn't supposed to get out that I was eight or seven years old and looked like people just threw dirt on me. I was considered dead and no more hope. And it's a bad thing not to have hope.
1: Good morning, my name is Andrew, I'm the pastor for this congregation, and I want to tell you something about Easter that I want you to remember as long as you live. But before I do, I need to tell you about Angola. Angola is surrounded on three sides by the Mississippi River in West Feliciana Parish, Louisiana. It's been a place of misery for centuries. It's named Angola after the birthplace of the slaves who were bought and brought there to work the plantation. But now, for over 100 years, it's been the site of the Louisiana State Penitentiary. It's been notorious as the bloodiest prison in the South. Life there was nasty, brutish, and violent. You enter Angola, you only expect to get out through one way, and that's through death. Either you die in your cell, You're executed on the gurney or you die at the hands of one of the other prisoners. The only way out of Angola is death. The men who enter Angola, who are sent there by the state of Louisiana, they only expect death. 2,000 years ago, on that first Easter Sunday morning, the women scurrying to the tomb in the darkness were expecting death as well. See, the Romans knew how to kill a man. And at 3 p.m. on that Friday afternoon, Jesus of Nazareth had been crucified and he breathed his last breath. There were dozens of eyewitnesses when the Roman soldier took this spear, shoved it up under his ribcage, pierced the sack around his heart, and blood and water came out. He was dead. Now, the Jewish Sabbath begins at sundown on Friday, and it is unclean to uh, to care for corpses on the Sabbath. So one of Jesus' friends took down the body, wrapped it in a burial shroud, put it in a tomb hewn out of rock, sealed it with a stone. The idea was people would come back Sunday morning early to prepare the body for its final burial. The women come to the tomb that morning, their hands and their pockets full of the spices for embalming, expecting death. It's a funny thing about expectations. Sometimes maybe your expectations are right and sometimes though they're wrong. I wonder if you have ever had expectations and they turned out to be different than reality. I remember when I was a kid. I lived with my parents in West Africa, and we had been home to America visiting our extended family, and we we're, after several weeks now, flying back, and after an international flight, we were exhausted. We arrived at the international airport, which is separated by a broad estuary, a river mouth, from where we lived. The only way across the estuary to get home is to ride a rotting, rusting hulk of a ferry. We finally make it through customs. It's pitch black. It's late at night. We show up at the ferry dock to learn the ferry is broken. We wait all night in the boiling West African humidity waiting for the ferry to be fixed. It is finally fixed. We drive our car and we drive across. We get home. We arrive home around breakfast time. We have one expectation, really only one need in the world, to walk right into our beds and just fall right in. That wasn't what happened. My brother and I walked into our room. We had these gauzy mosquito nets covering our beds. We pulled up the mosquito nets and were met with an unpleasant surprise. My parents, in their wisdom, had asked this crazy bachelor missionary friend of ours to house-sit for us for the weeks that we were gone. This guy, this was before that show came out, this guy was like a long-lost cousin of Kramer. He even kind of looked like (laughs) it. We had a dog and a cat, and his job was to take care of our pets. But that's not what happened, because the cat had obviously been taking care of itself on our beds as a litter box for the last three weeks. We didn't, have running, uh, we didn't have electricity or running water. It took my mom hours of work and labor to get our beds clean so we could sleep in them. And that guy did not show his face around our house for months, I'll tell you that. And even to this day, when I see a cat, it's just... <laughs> <something>. <laughs> I'm, I'm really totally joking. I don't need an email about that from cat lovers. I, I, <laughs> I actually like cats. Uh, with ketchup. Uh, I prefer them. <laughs> We had expectations that day, and they weren't met. The women, the women come to the tomb expecting death 2,000 years ago, but that's not what happened. Listen to the word of the Lord as I read from the scriptures this morning. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here, he's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words when they came back from the tomb they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others it was mary magdalene joanna mary the mother of james and the others with them who told us to the apostles but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense peter however got up and ran to the tomb bending over he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away wondering to himself what had happened we got at his richest blessings in the reading and hearing of the word today Easter is about expecting death and finding life. Easter is about expecting death and finding life. That first Easter Sunday morning, the women were expecting to get to the tomb and find the mutilated corpse of their friend Jesus of Nazareth, but instead they found that he was risen. They came with expectations for death, and instead they found life. Now, death is a powerful force, and death is a liar and a bully. And death wants to convince you and me that he has the final word. That the door has been slammed shut and there's nothing else. That the final word in every human endeavor and every human life is death. And boy, you see signs of death all around us, don't you? I don't just mean physical death when hearts stop beating. I mean the death of relationships. I mean the death of sobriety. I mean the death of hope. I wonder what death expectations you're carrying around with you this morning. I wonder if your pockets and your hands are full with the spices preparing something for burial. I wonder if you've come expecting death. Death is a liar. Because Christ is risen. And Easter is about expecting death and finding life. And if you have the eyes to see it, the resurrection is all around us. In 1994, the U.S. Congress... Cut off the eligibility of prisoners for Pell Grants. Now, Pell Grants are that government program that provides funding for higher education. This is an easy political move. I mean, who wants to make smarter criminals? Who wants to educate men that are never going to get out and see the light of day? So the president signs the law. After all, who cares about educating criminals? Well, it turns out, the warden of Angola Prison in Louisiana cared. Among other reasons, if you take 5,000 violent and dangerous men and you give them nothing to live for, no hope, you have a violent, dangerous situation. Now, he had no funding for the education, so he did the last thing he thought to do. He wrote a letter to the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary asking them, would you be willing to first fund and secondly to run and lead an extension of your campus, some Bible classes, some college classes for our inmates. And they said yes. And for 19 years, folks from New Orleans Theological Baptist Seminary have been driving the two hours up the Mississippi to Angola Prison. Now I'm going to tell you something, and you're going to think I'm making it up. Since that first Bible college class was taught within the bars of Angola Prison 19 years ago, violence has dropped 85% within the prison walls. Now, Angola still has gangs. All prisons have gangs. But what they say around Angola, the difference is, is right there, these days, all the gang leaders are pastors. In Angola prison, the only foreign languages taught are Biblical Greek and Biblical Hebrew, which is a miracle considering that English is barely spoken in Louisiana, much less inside the prison. (laughs) Only God. Only God. Only the consequences of the resurrection. Easter is about when you expect death and you find life. Revival from within the prison. The bloodiest prison in the south. That's what the resurrection is about because he is risen. Christ is risen from the dead. What this means then is that our expectations are often wrong. Often you and I approach, we come to things their hands overflowing with the spices for burial like those women. We, we decide because our friends tell us it's only reasonable. There's no hope for that marriage. There's no hope for that child. There's no hope for that diagnosis. You'll never get clean. You'll never be sober. That relationship is dead. You might as well bury it. And death wants to pound that into us because he's a bully and he's a liar. And he's trying to convince us that he has the final word, that the door is slammed shut. But Easter is about finding death where you, finding life where you expected death. He is risen, which means death is a liar. He doesn't have the final word. Revival can even become and begin in prison. Death can even be found in the grave. Life can even be found at the place of death in the grave. What are you insisting on burying today? What have you come in expecting to bury? Maybe it's time to drop those spices and to believe that life can be found even in the place of death. Now, they had this crazy idea at Angola. See, one of the problems in prisons is that you get guys who are hardened career criminals and then you mix them with petty criminals who are only short timers who are in and out of the system. They become worse while they're in prison. They come outside, commit more crimes, and the cycle just continues. In most places they try to separate the hardened criminals from the petty criminals in Angola today they're doing the exact opposite the warden has specifically requested that in his maximum security prison for 5,000 armed robbers murderers and rapists the state of Louisiana transfer a thousand minimum security petty fledging criminals so they can be mentored by these men who are murderers, rapists, and armed robbers, armed robbers, but now have become new in Christ, have found new freedom in Christ. And the idea is, think of the audaciousness of this, this, this idea. The idea is to take these young men, who will be going shortly back out on the streets, and to change them in prison so they can change the world outside of it. Only God. Only because he's risen. Only because of Easter and the resurrection is that kind of audacity possible. When you're an Easter person, and if you're a Christian, you're always an Easter person. When you're an Easter person, it means that you never accept that death and defeat are the final word on humanity, which means there is no situation in which you believe God cannot work. We have three initiatives around here uh, as a church this, this year we want to reach men, we want to help families, and we want to fight poverty. We want to reach men, not because we don't like women, but because we want to do a better job of reaching men. We want to help families, not because we don't care about single folks, but because we really want our families to raise up their young people to be young men and women of faith and fire. And we want to fight poverty, not at the symptomatic level only, but striking right at the roots of the problem. Now, I I, I read the headlines. I see the news. I'm not naive. I realize that poverty has centuries of entrenchment in our country, in our culture. I realize all the problems. I realize we have a D.I.S.T. that graduates most of our children in failing schools. I realize what a scourge drugs are in our neighborhood. I realize how the family is breaking apart, how we are raising up particularly young men with no hope for the future, who find their only hope and value in violence. I realize all those things, but we're an Easter people, which means one of the things we do is we take on the impossible. So as a church, we're going to try to fight poverty. No, we don't have the resources on our own for this, but God begins to work. This, this past week, we've got word of something we've been working on for a while. We'll be able to bring on our own campus one day a week a social worker to meet with folks who come in asking for help. We have people all day long come in asking for financial assistance. And almost always, the root problem is not just the bill that can't be paid. It's a deeper problem, which is why we brought in a social worker. See, we're Easter people. The wisdom of the world tells you to give up on those kind of things because they're impossible, Your girlfriends, your buddies tell you to give up on that marriage, give up on that business, give up fighting against that diagnosis, give up working against poverty and starvation and hunger. Stop working for sobriety. That's what the world tries to tell you because death is trying to convince you that he's got the whole, all the power, that he's the last word. But Christ says, I am the resurrection. I am the alpha, the beginning, and the omega, the end. Death does not have the final say. He's a liar and a bully, and Easter proves him wrong. Easter is about expecting death and finding life. Now let me be very clear. Easter does not mean that your problems go away. Easter does not mean that God removes all suffering and difficulty from your life. Maybe you're here this morning and you have a lot of suffering. You have a lot of difficulty. Listen. We had a young couple in our congregation. They're blessed with a little girl. They wanted more children. They got the fantastic news from the result of the test. Congratulations, you're pregnant. They're elated. And their elation turns to bereavement very quickly when they go to the doctor after a few weeks. The doctor says, your baby's not going to make it. To go from that high to that low is rough, but have it happen more than one time to you as it did to this couple in our congregation? That's that's hard. Finally, giving up hope, they turned and said, well, maybe maybe God will give us more children through adoption. They go to the adoption agency. They fill out paper after paper, reams of paperwork, write check after check. Adoption is very expensive and complicated. They had a form for me to fill out. I filled it out. We sent it all back. They have their home visit. They are finally approved for adoption. And then they prepare to wait months, years. Then who knows how long it will take. Three days later, the phone rings. It's the adoption agency. The birth mom wants to meet you. 21 days later, the new little daughter is born. And within 30 days, the new daughter is home. I've held her in my hands. And she's here this morning, that sweet baby girl. Easter is about expecting death and finding life. It does not mean that death doesn't happen. It doesn't mean you don't have difficulty. For whatever reason, God does not always choose to remove your problems, but always God is stronger than your problems. Easter is about expecting death and finding life right in the midst of it. So I'm wondering this morning, what have you allowed to die? Where are the hopes dying? Why do you have your hands still crammed full with the spices for burial? Maybe you had faith, and that faith is not even just a little flame. It's it's gone out. Maybe because of the way you were treated in the church. Maybe because it seems impossible to believe. Maybe your faith is gone. Don't give up hope. One of the things God does is he brings life in the midst of death. He gives faith to the faithless. Note that nobody in the New Testament believed that Christ was rise from the dead. We all know that doesn't happen. When the door of death is slammed shut, it's slammed shut forever. And when the women come to the disciples, they don't even believe it. They think, what does the scripture say? The tale was nonsense. You may have no faith. Your faith may be dead and buried in the ground, but God raises things from the grave, and I believe he can raise faith back to your heart too. Maybe you've given up on your marriage. I believe God can restore marriages. I've seen it and heard the tales with my own eyes and ears. Maybe you believe that Addiction has buried you 12 feet under, and I believe God specializes in raising up the dead, and I, can believe he, I believe he can offer sobriety and health and healing to you. I don't know what it is, but I guarantee you, if you're like me, there are parts of your life and parts of your hope. You look at this world, and you think, well, maybe death is the final word, and so you, you cram a little bit more burial spices in your pockets, but that's all a lie because Christ is risen. If God can bring revival to Angola prison, what can he do? The man you saw in the video, his name is Clifford. He was supposed to be in prison until he was 80-something years old. Through a miraculous circumstance, he felt God calling to him right in the middle of the Angola prison yard. He felt God saying to him, if you take care of my business, I'll take care of yours. Clifford began to preach within prison. Through a miraculous circumstance, he was released early. He's now a pastor of a church who comes back in regularly to offer hope and strength to the prisoners who are still behind bars. God doesn't always remove our problems, but always God is stronger than our problems. What if family comes through miscarriage, and sobriety comes through addiction, and life comes through death, and resurrection comes through crucifixion? If that's the case, there is no circumstance, no life that God cannot redeem. I'm wondering this morning what you've given over. Maybe it's time to reclaim some of the Easter faith that says it's when we expect death, that's when we find life. The Easter faith who stubbornly insists for 2,000 years that Christ is risen from the dead. The signs of resurrection are all around us. Do you have the eyes to see and the ears to hear? Where, O grave, is your victory because Christ is risen? Where, O death, is your sting because Christ is risen? God begins revival in the midst of prison, and family in the midst of miscarriage, and sobriety in the midst of addiction, because Christ is risen, Christ is risen, Christ is risen, amen, and forever, amen.